You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. I hope everybody's having a great Monday and staying cool as it is summertime. And boy, it is hot in the Bay Area and all around the country, but it's summer. It should be hot. We got a great show for you today. Our A's historian, David Feldman, is going to start by at 415. Not only are we going to talk to him about all the young players. Right now, we're checking on with the amount of rookies that are going to be in the lineup today for the Oakland Athletics. Where does this rank all time? Just not in Oakland history, but in A's history. We're actually efforting that. We'll see if he has the answer for that. And then also there's been, because he's also an official scorer in Major League Baseball, there's been some belief that Official scores have been directed to have more, let's just say, calls for base hits than errors than ever before. And if that's the question, what would have happened years ago for some players? I don't know, pick somebody. Rod Carew, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, Ichiro Suzuki. How about Pete Rose? How about the great Henry Aaron had over 3,700 hits? Because I can tell you, Watching a lot of games with the great Dave Stewart. And I don't know how many people have seen more baseball than Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart has not been happy with the scoring going on in Major League Baseball. So there's some questions. Are we trying to inflate offensive numbers? Trying to get them up? We'll ask David Feldman coming up here at 415. Jacob Wilson, the number one pick by your Oakland Athletics out of Grand Canyon. Southern California kid. His dad was an all-star shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Cody is like, he, I mean, if you think Cody's sweating because it's hot, no, it's because Jack Wilson is in the ballpark and he's so excited that a former pirate is here. But uh, he played for his dad in high school and, of course, had an illustrious career and hopefully is the future at shortstop for the Oakland Athletics. As we can start looking and telling you about, and that's why I'm also excited to talk to David Forrest at 5 o'clock. You look at the ages. You look at this team, and you start looking at this core. When you start thinking about Soderstrom at 21 years old, 
You start thinking at Geloff and Butler and at 23 and Denzel Clark and Henry Bolte and all these. Uh, Daryl Hernays. Her, her By the way, we've been pronouncing it wrong. And I remember seeing a video when he was in AA Midland. It was Hernays, not Hernays. And even though I've kind of gone on what David Forrest has said, but uh, we have a clip coming out of Las Vegas where Daryl Hernays is ripping it up. Could be the future at shortstop. Uh, you start thinking about Brett Harris is a little bit older at 25 years old, but there is a core right now that you look in the next three, four, even five years. You're talking in five years, these guys are going to be anywhere from 28 to 26 right in their primes. Will all of them work out? Probably not. Just doesn't work that way. If they all did, oh, my God. But if some of them work out, the building blocks of something really special could be happening. We'll talk to David Forrest about that as the Athletics are starting a three-game set in Boston. Yes, I am not out at the ballpark today. We had to do a little Omaha. Uh, a little audible had to be called. I'll be here in San Francisco for the next four days doing A's pre- and post-game live on TV. We'll have the great Johnny Gomes as my partner for the next three days, one of my all-time favorites that I've covered with the A's. We're going to have him on the hopefully on the program tomorrow. We're not doing it today because it's Johnny's first day. Plus, we got so much to talk about. And there's so many different things, too, by the way, Cody, to talk about, just not about A's. And I know most of our fan base is like, yeah, just we just want to hear about A's. But even though you think it's a light card in Major League Baseball, there's some fascinating things going on. You've got a series about to kick off right now between the Dodgers and the Baltimore Orioles, which when's the last time you would have said Orioles-Dodgers is a major series? Dodgers have retaken the lead in the National League West. And then I'm think thinking about what happens tonight if the Rays lose in Texas, Baltimore could be in first place in the American League East. And right now, take a picture of your standings right now, Cody, because right now, right now, if you go to the standings, take a picture, you see that the Red Sox and the Yankees are both tied for dead last in the American League East. So do a snapshot from your phone, go take a picture of it, Print it out, put it on your wall, and enjoy it as much as I'm enjoying it right now because nothing makes me happier than seeing the Yankees and the Red Sox, especially after the All-Star game where I thought Fox was so overboard with it to see them both in last place. And I'll throw this one at you, at you Cody. Where do the four top payrolls in baseball stand right now? Let's see. Padres stink. Uh, Mets stink. Uh, Yankees, last place for the first time this late in the season since 1992. And let's see, who was the other big payroll in baseball? Um, I'm drawing a blank on the fourth one. But those are three, right? And then the other one, Boston? Is Boston is Boston? The Boston's not Phillies. There. Phillies, that's right. And they're they're middle of the pack, although they're trying to get Juan Soto there. It's really good where, up there. The question is, where do they all stand? Uh, in fourth or lower, I'm assuming, in the division. All oh, Phillies are in third, yeah. playoffs. The top four payrolls in baseball, all the teams that won the winner, all the teams with with all this money that they spent, and we get so consumed by it, which is so, you, you know, I'm kind of like, so right now in the studio, you know how it works, Cody, just let the fans know, I'm looking at Jacob Wilson right now, and they have the different, so where it's like the command center, I'm getting to see all these different camera angles. 
they had a camera angle going from right field. I could see you, Cody. So just know I'm always watching you. One of my cameras, I can see you from right field. If you start doing some nefarious stuff, I will be watching. Um, but one of them's on the NFL and on ESPN as today's franchise tag day. You know, it's interesting to think about Saquon Barkley could be sitting out the entire season. I hate that. We'll see. That's one that I'm just saying that's that we never have to talk about that. We never talk about a player. I'm going to sit out a season. I'm not going to play. I mean, we never, you know, there, there's some positives and negatives to the free market that we live in in major league baseball where you don't have a salary cap, but there's obviously, uh, I, I think far better rewards of having a salary cap in your sport. We never have to deal with a guy in a franchise tag and whether he's going to play or not, or show up to spring training and all that kind of stuff. But we focus so much on payroll. We focus so much on money. It's one of the things that we have to do, even though, you know, the A's are not one of the teams that's spending it. But, you know, when we go to the winter meetings, we've got to be around all this talk and win it and winning the winter meetings. I heard an interview with Joe Madden today that was so poignant and it's so true. And I can think back to all the teams that I've covered. When you have seen a revival, there's outliers to everything. There's always, when you've had a sport that's been playing since before 1900, you're going to find an outlier or two. But we're kind of at a point, you are what you are, right? And Joe Madden was talking about that earlier today on MLB Network, and I know how much respect you have for him, Cody. But, you know, when talking about the San Diego Padres, you're 44 and 50. You are what you are. I mean, at this point, if, if you're under 500 at this point, and I think about our 2012 club, which is the um, would be the epitome for us of the We Believe Warriors, where it was a team that no one saw going to the playoffs. Everybody thought this was going to be a terrible year. I've told this story over and over. Joe, the, Joe Stiglitz, if you remember our buddy Stiggs, he and I were hanging out in Japan, and we are like, hey, let's have fun here because this is going to be a long season. We had no clue what this was going to be like, but it was June 2nd where the A's started the turnaround. From June 2nd on, the A's had the best record in baseball. They hit the most home runs, and, of course, the legendary day, one of the best days in Oakland A's history, the final game of the of the season against Texas, game 162. We've never seen it before in baseball history where a team never led the division ever during the season and won it. We have never seen a team other than the 2012 A's win the division and not one time during the entire season were they in first place because they weren't first place till the final out of that game, and the final out meant season was over. So we've never seen it. But that's June 2nd. Cody, it's July 17th. I mean, it's a month and you a half start plus. to look at some of these teams, what they would have to do to turn it around, the kind of baseball that they would have to play from a percentage-wise. You know, love me some Bo Mel, but I, you're 44 and 50. You're, you're right now, like, if you're the Padres and you're heading to the tra- trading deadline, you're eight games out of the wild card. So this whole, like, you just got to get in mentality, there's some teams you got to be thinking to yourself, man, we're not even close. And I kind of throw that out the team that's here today. 
you're the Boston Red Sox. This next week, you want to talk about playing spoiler today for the Oakland Athletics, these young A's, the baby A's. We got to come up with a nickname for these guys. I mean, if you're these young A's and Geloff's leading off, I can't tell you how much that excites me. Seeing Soderstrom, seeing these young guys play, seeing Nick Allen putting the ball in place, seeing all the stuff we've been seeing. This is your chance to spoil. You take two out of three or even sweep the Boston Red Sox, and all of a sudden they're thinking, we got to be sellers at the deadline. Yeah, that's fascinating because the way Boston's been playing, we don't know. You've heard, you know, we've talked about the dynamic between Heim, Bloom, and Alex Korn, how that's working out. I mean, there's a lot of things going on with them. Their starting pitching needs to be better, and they're going to use the opener today, which is just – I think the same guy that's opening today opened in the series in, uh, in Boston before the A's played them before the All-Star Bernardino, the great Brennan Bernardino. And Philly's legend Nick – 31-year-old lefty. And I think Philly's legend Nick Pavetta is going to come in after if that's the – all indi- I don't know. I think that's what it is. That's what our notes say, so we'll see if that happens. But, yeah, Boston being in fourth – or tied for last in the division with the Yankees, which is still crazy because of the – payrolls and we saw what Yoshida did the other day another six RBI game but yeah they're they're really fascinating because of what's going to happen and what could could happen to their team leading into the all-star or the trade deadline and then going forward to what who's going to be in charge next year Heim or or if Alex Cora is still here and for the A standpoint I don't know is this the last start we see from Paul Blackburn in an A's uniform could be oh yeah I saw his name mentioned in an article today I mean, you you got to think that David Force. We're going to ask him at five o'clock once we get once we get done talking about all the kids. We're going to talk to David Forrest about the trade deadline and who's given a call because at some point, probably hit September, you're going to see Lawrence Butler, and you're going to want to bring some guys up, and you want guys to get playing time. There is no future left here, unfortunately, for some guys that we have a lot of respect for. And we have a lot of respect for Ramon Laureano, but he doesn't fit here anymore. You you need to start making room, like doing this platoon at third base that you've kind of seen with Diaz and Peterson. It doesn't work. Jordan Diaz has to play. And right now, that's the only spot with Geloff playing second. So you need to start freeing up some spots and Cody you might want to uh, Dave Feldman it looks like he has a uh, an umbrella over him right now is it a little windy out there Feldy there's a there's a slight breeze going on it feels actually kind of nice isn't it nice I know there's a lot of people and there's a lot of heat but I like heat I'm like I like summertime uh, especially at the Coliseum the ball starts flying a little bit like we normally don't see in the first part of the season or the second half of the season I mean, baseball's meant to be played in warm weather. I like it. Well, I like I like the temperature in Oakland. I mean, yesterday was a great example of it. It was just a perfect day out here temperature-wise. You know, you didn't, it was high 70s, felt great. And then I get back out to the East Bay where I live, and it's 102, and I'm like, eh, it's a little too hot. I like that. This <laughs> Oakland temperature is much more my style. Uh, I know the guys here at NBC are trying to look this up, but with all the rookies starting today – do we know any records of the most rookies ever to start for whether it's the A's, the Oakland A's? Where are we getting in that territory of never seen this before? Well, in the rookie-wise, no. I mean, last year we had a game where we started seven rookies, and there have been Ooh. plenty of times in athletics franchise history where they've started nine rookies. But let me put it to you this way about tonight's lineup. 
It has the fewest career games in an A's lineup in a non-September game, so non-roster you know, roster expansion time, since 1954. Uh, 1954, the A's were located in Philadelphia. This is even before Kansas City. So this is the least experienced non-September A's lineup since 1954. The fewest games, not counting September. Right. Outside of, if we wanted to count September, we can go back to yeah. 2017. The A's in the first game of a doubleheader versus the Astros actually had a, a, a lineup with fewer uh, games. But 2017, that's very similar to what we're seeing now with this A's team. As you just talked about having to move veterans out of the way to make room. And if you go back to 2017, you go, okay, Trevor Plouffe was our third baseman. <laughs> well, the A's needed to move Trevor Plouffe to make room for Matt Chapman. Yonder uh. Alonso was our first baseman. Great year Yonder Alonso was having. But they had to move him to give Matt Olson a place to play, right? And that's all of a sudden became our infield, Olson, Lowry, Simeon, Chapman. You had to make room. And the A's also made room as well in the outfield for uh, Jacob Brugman. He didn't stick. Uh, in the infield, they tried out Franklin Barreto, didn't stick. But the same idea, they were giving these young players a chance to play. This is very 2017-like. And I got to tell you, I absolutely love it. I have, This is what I've wanted. This is progress as tonight, if it all works out in Texas and in Baltimore, the Orioles could be tied for first place. Yeah, amazing, huh? Right, and this is unfortunately how the sport works. It's one of the ways to do it. I mentioned to Cody earlier, the top four payrolls this year right now are out of the playoffs. That's one way to do it. Outspend everybody, guaranteed all this crazy money, which will affect you for many, many years, or now what we're seeing with the A's with a a young core. But you know what? I, I like this route. You got a few years uh, to start really building something that could be special. And all these kids, by the time you look three, four, five years from now, will all be mid to late 20s, which is your prime in Major League Baseball. And I think about the start of Zach Geloff, 333. I mean, you just look at the stat line. He scored three runs, four hits, two doubles. He's got a triple, two stolen bases. He's played a pretty good second base, too. I mean, here this kid is, a number second-round pick out of the University of Virginia, and one of the things that I love about it and I love about Soderstrom and hearing about these guys, Feldy, these are guys the A's drafted. These are not these are not guys that are, are guys coming from other organizations and trades, and obviously some of those kids who come over, there's some knocks on them and the reason why those teams are allowing them to be traded. These are guys you developed, you drafted. They're A's players. They're coming up. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, and that's where the A's have, have has always had the success, right? Especially in the last 20 years when you look back to Giambi, Tejada, who was signed as a free agent, as you know, international free agent at the time, but Chavez, and then the pitchers, Hudson, Mulder, Zito, all draft picks. Chapman, Olsen, draft picks. Uh, that's how you build a team. Baltimore two years ago was the worst team in baseball, and they had a record very similar to this A's team. The Diamondbacks had a record very similar to this A's team two years ago. But with smart drafting and player development, now these are two teams that are vying for playoffs this year, and Baltimore being one of the best stories going. They were good last year. They were a great story last year. They were a year early 
this was the year they were always targeting. So it can turn around that quickly if you draft well and you develop well. Zach Geloff, to me, and I know Vince Catronio mentioned this on the TV broadcast yesterday, he reminds me of Ian Kinsler. He looks yeah. like Ian Kinsler. And now Kinsler was his manager with Team Israel in the WBC, played second base, had a long career, 14-year career, going to be a Ranger Hall of Famer, 30-30 guy at one point. Geloff, to me, that's, that's where he can be. That's his ceiling. He can be an Ian Kinsler, and that's pretty good, right? That's a guy. Damn right. If you told me we got Ian Kinsler in his prime, a kid that could be Ian Kinsler in his prime, hell yeah, I'd take that yeah. in a second. And it, and it, he looks like him. I mean, he plays like him. He, the way he, he handles himself on the field reminds me of him. So I'm excited by that. I'm excited that he has been called up and he's playing every day so far because that's what you have to do with these guys. They're doing it with Soderstrom as well. If you're going to bring them up, you got to let them play. And you got to let them develop at this level. The A's did it with Chapman and Olsen in 2017, and we looked how well that paid off. I look at Soderstrom already, and we saw it this year at spring training. Because, you know, last time I saw him was it was during COVID, and we had him on this show on video. He looked like a high school kid, right? right? He showed up, you know, where we were doing the show at Ho-Ho Cam. He showed up. You're like, man, he's a grown man now. I mean, he doesn't look like he's 21. He didn't carry himself like he's 21. I've been trying to tell everybody this kid is a prodigy. His father, I played against his dad. You know that, Fresno State. His dad was a terrific player, you know, finally made it to the big leagues, didn't have the career he wanted, but his his dad has been down there in the Valley training people for years. Soderstrom's been playing against you know, all these different practices and games uh, around his father with kids that are much older than he is. So it's like this kid has been a prodigy, ready to be a big leaguer, and at 21 – he doesn't look like he's 21. He doesn't, and he looks like he belongs here. He already he doesn't look scared. He's, he's on the field. He's ready to play. And I think what the A's and A's fans, you have to be willing to go with the growing pains that are going to come, right? You're not going to have a series where you're getting four or five hits. You're going to have some Olfords thrown in here. But you gotta, you got to live with that and grow with that, and that's, that's what this season's for. Um, the A's position players, you talked about Clark and Butler, um, they're exciting. Right? These are exciting athletes that are on their way. Now, the one thing where the A's farm system is deficient right now is pitching. And they're going to have to figure this out. And whether it's making trades here, coming, trading some of our veterans for more pitchers, um, the cupboard's a little bare on the mound. And the A's are going to have to make those adjustments to bring some arms in here. Pitching? Who needs pitching? We just have 13 relievers and openers and you're the bulk guy oh, and who needs starters that's that you're just one of those old archaic baseball guys yeah i i like the starting pitcher i, I <laughs> i'm gonna admit it i like a starting pitcher who's gonna go out and take the ball i like a starting pitcher who'd go out and, and throw nine innings that's not happening anymore but i want a starting yeah. pitcher with the mentality that i'm gonna throw nine innings and if it's a if it's a strong seven that, that's terrific, too. But I just want guys who want to take the ball, prepare from the beginning that I'm the starter. Today is my day. Um, the A's need to find some of those guys. Well, they drafted a lot, of, a lot of pitchers this year. And, you know, like I've been saying on all these different shows and platforms that we have, I'm not worried about wins and losses. Just not. I'm worried about development. And you've got a few years before a new ballpark's going to show up. You've got time to develop these young guys and develop pitchers because that's kind of 
that's kind of been the problem lately with the A's in the last, you know, it'd be over 10 years now, is you never had both show up at the same time. You've either kind of had one or the other. Mostly offense, we haven't seen that crop come together. Like you saw that in the start, you know, the early 2000s, but we haven't seen it come together. So if you could get this group of young position players, because, you know, Feldy, these kids out of college now are all throwing 100 miles an hour to 98. I don't know how much time they really need in the minor league. If you could get all these kids kind of coming up together really quick and you get X amount of these kids out of this draft, it could be something special. As you just mentioned, just two years ago, we were what the Baltimore Orioles were, and the Baltimore Orioles, if they win tonight and the Rays lose, they're tied for first place over the Yankees, over the Red Sox, and over the Blue Jays. Yeah, and even just in you know the A's short history, how quick it can turn around, right? From 2011 to 2012, huge turnaround. From 2017 to 2018, huge turnarounds. It can happen very quickly. Uh, right decisions made personnel-wise, development made correctly, but it doesn't take as long as it used to. It used to have these terrible down cycles that would take four or five years. Those cycles, they don't, they can be shortened now, and we're, they're proving it. The Orioles have proved it, the A's have proven it, uh, and the Diamondbacks are proving it. The cycles can be a lot shorter for these down periods. Let's talk scoring, because not only are you our A's historian, everybody knows about your television career. What they may not know about your career is that you're an official scorer. Some people have taken your classes. You've done this for the A's, where you teach people how to score and how to do it correctly, and a lot of people loved it. Hopefully, at some point, we'll bring it back. COVID kind of changed things, but we'd love to bring it back, because I know how many people appreciated it. There has been some talk that official scores have been maybe told or maybe kind of nudged that we want offense to be up. We want numbers to be up. So sometimes things that look like it might be an error, if it's close, make it a hit. Has that been happening? Has there been anybody that's put out a notice, an email, anything to the official scores of Major League Baseball to be more offensive friendly? That can be no further from the truth. Uh, never has there been any uh, order, memo, um, uh, a directive to give more hits. We have never been told anything like that. What you're seeing happening, it's a quest that's been basically going on for about 10 years now, since 2012, when the scores first got together. And I've told the story before. For you know, from the beginning of baseball with official scorers, scorers from other markets never talked to each other. There was no communication. A scorer in Kansas City would never talk to a scorer in New York. A scorer in Florida would never talk to a scorer in Seattle. It just never happened. But in 2012, finally things changed, and we started with our first official scorers meetings where scorers got together and actually talked and communicated. And the, the purpose of this was to have scoring be more consistent. So a hit in Philadelphia was also a hit in Kansas City. Um, you know, so many times you heard about hometown scoring and or if you're on the road getting job. It was to get rid yeah. of all that. It was to be consistent. And this has been a process that's been going on now, again, since 2012, and with different tools now. We have different tools at our uh, disposal. Um, you know, statistics. Um, we have ways to look at replays. We have ways to look at simulations of plays. I mean, honestly, probably a few too much. We also have 
uh, what's called scoring support. So if I'm scoring a game, there's also somebody on a Slack channel who's watching the game as well and who can give their opinion if I need it. Um, and I do that for other scorers around the league. I'll be that guy watching those games. So there's a lot more going on. And I think as we're trying to course correct and get more consistent, I do think you are seeing a few more hits being called. Um, we have different, we have case books now. We have ways to try and explain why we're scoring things the way we do. There's also an appeals committee. So if a, if a player did not like how a play was scored, they can appeal it, give their reason why, and then it goes to a committee made up of former players who decide what that play should be, whether it should be a hit or an error. Um, because of that, you're also seeing a lot more appeals than you used to see from players. It's much easier for them to appeal. In the old days, if a player didn't like a call, I'd go down to the clubhouse and literally talk to the player that night or talk to the PR person or the manager. One time, Ozzie Guillen called me in the middle of the game to complain <laughs> about a call. Ozzie, your team's <laughs> lost five in a row. I think you've got bigger problems in your first base with being charged with an error. But so it's different now, right? And so I just think as we are trying to get more consistent, um, we are seeing some overanalyzing of plays. You know, I, I think that's happening. I think we got to go back to a little bit of just see the play. Man, that looks like an error. That's an error. And stop trying to overanalyze it because I think that is happening to a bit. But overall, no, there's no dictum about giving more hits. I, I just think that uh, we're trying to get more consistent in our scoring. Well, I, and I've seen you in the press box, be on meetings. I've seen you where you guys have the ability – you know, you guys have your own secret little portal that you guys get to see stuff that the rest of us fans don't get to see. So I like hearing that because basically what everybody's trying to do is be better. Yeah. You know, and we're and we're seeing it in every sport, right? I mean, you work in football, obviously, with your work in television. They're trying to be better refs in the NFL. They're trying to be better refs in college football. They're trying to be better in the NBA and hockey and Major League Baseball. And as you said, it's not like, hey, you go into, I don't know, you go into Philly or you go into, you go into Tampa. And, oh, man, the scoring there, we got job. I mean, it's, everybody's trying to be more professional. Everybody's trying to be the best they can be. And if that's leading to more hits, well, then so be it. More hits is better than more errors in baseball, let's be honest. I think there was just a question like, well, if scoring is just easier – what would I don't Pete Rose hit total be? What would Hank Aaron, you know, Hank Aaron had over 3,700? What kind of year a Tony Gwynn or an Ichiro batting average wise? But the way you explain it, I like it because it just means everybody's trying to be better. And if being better means, yeah, a lot of these should be hits. And maybe sometimes we, we forget how hard it is to play defense and how fast guys are getting down the line. And athletes are better than ever before, especially offensively. Guys are faster. It's hard to play defense at the big league level. It is, and, and you know we have these tools now, especially with, with StatCast. We know how hard a ball is hit, and we know if a ball is hit 108 miles at the feet of a third baseman and it goes through them, that's probably more than ordinary effort. And right, ordinary effort is the key to all this. Does it take more than ordinary effort to make the play? And if it does, then that should be a hit. If not, if it's a routine play, then it should be an error. And we just need to get back to that. Um, I remember talking to Eric Chavez when I first started scoring back in 2004. And, you know, Eric always felt, even as a gold glover, that he got judged harder because he was a gold glover, right? Oh, it's his gold glover. You should make that play. That's an error. Well, no. You're supposed to be judged against the average major league third baseman. 
And so I asked Eric, so how, how should I score you? And he was very honest with me. And he said, look, if there's a ball that's hit right to me or one step to my left or one step to my right, he goes, no matter how hard that ball's hit, I should make that play. So if I don't, that's an error. But if it's more than one step either way, then it's just a crapshoot whether I make that play or not. And I've kind of used that as a guide now for 20 years of scoring about what's ordinary effort, especially for a third baseman on a ball's hit to the hot corner. Um, you know, middle infielders where you have more room and you have range, it's different. But we've seen enough baseball. We've seen the plays that are made routinely and plays that take more than routine effort. Um, I think what's starting to happen, too, with these appeals is these guys are appealing plays that they have no reason appealing, right? A ground ball to the second baseman that gets booted and you're appealing and begging for a hit, come on now. What are you doing? So the players have some culpability in this as well because of the appeals that they put in. I mean, we're lucky enough we can see all these appeals, and some of them you just shake your head and you're like, what are you doing? Come on. You're begging for a hit on a ball that you hit a pop-up on the infield and you're begging for a hit? Come on, man. Have some respect. Uh, I'm a horrible judgment. I'm a former pitcher. I think they should make every play behind me. So I look at it and I'm like, that's an error. That's an error. That's an error. You got a glove. You should make the play. If it's anywhere around, if it touches, I'm old school. If it touches your glove, you should make the play. Well, and it shouldn't go on my ERA. And I'm glad you bring that up, that touches the glove, because that used to be a big thing when you were a kid. Well, he didn't touch yeah. it, so it can't be an error. Wrong. Right? You can miss a ball, and it's an error. If you're an outfielder and you should catch the ball and it just goes here, that's an error. Stop this. He didn't touch it. Crap. No. It's a routine play. You need to make it. If you didn't touch it, well, then we got bigger issues. Okay, here's one and I, just, that, that drives me nuts. He lost it in the lights. Well, I don't care. He lost it. I don't care how he lost it. I don't care if he lost it because of the clouds. I don't care if he lost it because of the old Metrodome. You remember Minnesota guys sure. couldn't see it. You lost it. Why is that going on my ERA? Yeah, that's, that's a bummer for the pitcher because you did your job. But you can't catch what you can't see. And yeah. so that thing, that's one of our, in our case books, sun, wind, or if you slip. And I've always had a little trouble with the slipping one because that's a physical misplay. I think that should be an error for the most part if you slip and not make a play. But they've told us if you lose it in the sun, if you lose it in the lights, or if you slip, or this is another one that I have a little bit of an issue with, you're a, you misjudge especially for outfielders. Outfielders get more benefit of the doubt than any oh, position player, right? Totally. So you can overrun a ball, right? They want us to call that a hit because that's a misjudgment. And that I have a little trouble with. If you miss, that, that's an error. You, you, you did not make a catch on a ball that was playable for ordinary effort. But we've, So there are some few plays in our casebook that we've been instructed to call a certain way. Um, I don't agree with them all, and, and, and nor, you know, scoring should never agree with them all. That's the great thing about scoring a baseball game. Everybody can have an opinion on it, whether a play should be made or not made, and uh, even some of how some of these rules are adjudicated, you can have opinions on those too. Let's end on this. We're going to blink, and college football's here. We're yeah. going to blink training camp, preseason, NFL. To my right here, you know the room I'm in. They've got all kinds of NFL stuff going on right now. Uh, I, we're already putting a, a, a big group together to go down to L.A. for San Jose State against USC at the Coliseum. 
Uh, we're fired up as San Jose State's going to take it to the Trojans and Lincoln Riley. Get ready, Caleb Williams. We're going to ruin <laughs> the Trojan season. Week zero, not even week one, yeah. week zero. Uh, as someone who has worked around college football and continues to work, are you fired up? It's 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 almost here. You know what? When the All-Star break is over, and then I feel like now we're, we're going downhill towards college football season, and I can feel it coming closer and closer. Pac-12 Media Day is this week in Las Vegas. Um that kicks it off, and then you have, you know you have four weeks, like you said, of training camp, and then the games are here, USC and San Jose State playing week zero. Arizona kicks off on the Thursday of that, the, the next week, and then it's everybody playing by Saturday. It comes fast. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to dig in and get ready and start preparing, right? That's, that's what's fun for me is I know my games the first three weeks of the season, and I'm going to dig in, and I'm going to wow you with information and highlights and stats, and, uh, and I'm ready to roll. Uh, is, when is the last year of SC-UCLA? Is that two years? No, this is the last season that USC-UCLA will be in the Pac-12. They will move to the Big Ten for 24-25, uh, which is just gut-wrenching and doesn't make any sense, and it's uh, terrible. It's terrible for everybody, for alumni, for fans, mostly for the student-athletes who are not in football and basketball because, yeah. you know, those Olympic sports playing in the Pac-12, those were the best of the best when you're playing volleyball and soccer, competing in swimming and golf. And you're not going to have that now. You're going to go against Big Ten people who don't see the sun seven months out of the year. No, there's no competition there. That's where I feel bad for a lot of – I feel very bad for those athletes who think they're going to UCLA for top-notch competition and now they're going to, you know, be dealing with Marge in volleyball and they're going to kick their butt. Yeah, I thought that was two years away. So this is going to be a very bizarre Pac-12 season. As every single game, you'll say, all these years SC's been playing Cal, all these years UCLA's played Stanford or Arizona State or Washington. This is it. Yeah, it is. It's sad. It is the end of an era for sure. You know, over 100 years of, of, of what started Pac-8, Pac-12, Pac-10, however you want to say, Pacific Coast Conference. But these teams have been competing, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford. I mean, that's the heart of it. And uh, it's just, it's sad. And it shouldn't have happened. It's happening because of money, as most most decisions are made because of money. Uh, this is just the wrong decision. It's just sad to see happening. Well, on August 26th at the L.A. Coliseum, you can be a Spartan fan too. You know what? You know I am. Uh, as much as I love the Pac-12, uh, we got some traders in our mix, and it's time for those guys to see what's what. Oh, wouldn't that be great? USC's last year in the Pac-12, and we ruin it week zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Tony. The great David Feldman right here, our A's historian, but he does more than that, obviously. His great work in television and an official score for Major League Baseball. I wanted to bring that up because I know for me, and, you know, I admitted it, you know, as a former pitcher, I think everything's an error. So it's like, I look at it and go, you're giving that a hit? You're giving that a hit? It's like, every, I see, I mean, I keep score every game. I watch more baseball than the average person, and I see a lot of balls that I would call errors that are given hits. But you heard from him right there. I mean, there is not an edict that's come down from baseball that's telling everybody, hey, when in doubt, give it a hit because we want the numbers to be up, right? We've made rules to increase offense. We want more hits. There has been no edict. It just sounds like, Commander, that they've done a very professional job of, you know, reining in the old school scorers who, like, I show up to the ballpark, 
Uh, I'm on the south side of Chicago. I'm a White Sox fan, and the way I score the game is different than the guy in Texas or Kansas City or San Diego or Miami. It's like I think they're getting better, and they've really gone out out of their way, and it's hard to believe that, you know, these sports that there's so much on the line for every single game, for not only the organization, for the players, for their future, their stats, their contracts. You take your numbers to arbitration. You take your numbers to free agency. These scoring decisions, you know, a couple more hits a year changes all your numbers and changes what you're able to fight for in free agency and what you're able to fight for in your comparisons and arbitration. So I do like what I just heard from David Feldman that, they are, they are the league and everybody in these cities, nobody's being rogue anymore. Everybody's just trying to get it right. And maybe just maybe with our our new data coming from StatCast. What's Stat, StatCast is now, what, 10 years old? Uh, years 20, old? 2015. So is that eight, eight years? So, yeah. It's only eight years. Yeah, yeah so we're, we're now – we now know when a outfielder where he started – and where he ended up trying to catch the ball and how long it took him to get there, how far he had to go. As Feldy just referenced, if you're a third baseman and the guy, if you're a third baseman and you're playing in, guy throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and a player turns on it and that thing's coming at you at 115, you know, and it's a one-hop yeah. at 115 miles an hour, I might be like, hey, that's an error. But you look at the scenario and you go, come on, man, that guy ball just hit 108 miles an hour to a guy. So the data, the fact that they're getting better, they're communicating more, they have more data, they have more science to back up what they're doing. I liked everything that Dave Feldman, as usual, I liked everything he had to say. Yeah, and one thing too, and you think about when we're we're talking about hitters and their stats, well, think about fielders and guys are trying to win a gold glove and there could be a scoring scoring play and they roll it in error and that hurts their fielding percentage and they lose out on a gold glove by an error. I know this is an extreme case, but – there are things like that that happen, so I do like that what's going on. And I would have never have noticed this if it wasn't for you sending it, sending me uh, Bob Nightingale's tweet from the other day talking about uh, Tony Gwynn hitting 600 and Ozzy uh, Smith never making an error. But I did like the factoid that Feldy left about uh, Ozzy Gann complaining about his team in his first baseman's error when they're losing by five well, runs. You've seen it. When I'm here doing the show with whoever, usually Dave Stewart, I mean, you're talking about a a wealth of a baseball life, wealth of knowledge. I mean, Dave is a great player. Dave is a pitching coach. Dave has an assistant GM, then a GM as an agent, soon to be owner. He's done everything in baseball. And of course, Dave and I are looking at it through the lens of former pitchers. But I can tell you, Dave Stewart's been like, that was an error. And I'm like, I, I agree. Like, how are you giving that a hit? So I know I have looked at it and had some serious questions about scoring. Like, man, that's pretty being, being pretty lenient. But when you listen to Feldman talk about where you have these tools and we're using these tools and probably the most significant thing going right now is that you have other eyes that are watching too. Right? It's not like there's just one guy, he keeps score, that's it, like it used to be. Now you got other people watching the games, watching your games. You, if you have a question, you can go to them and they can help you. But you got other people watching. So it's like it's if you were just trying to be a homer for the home club, 
Uh, I don't think that exists anymore, and it would be pretty obvious probably really quick. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I want to give you a quick update. It looks like uh, Jacob Wilson's in his doing batting practice right now so we might have to get him after david force at five o'clock so maybe five fifteen ish somewhere in there but um he's in the last round of batting practice right now as they're finishing him. i think he's in there with uh, soderstrom as well so um well i can see batting practice right now they have my screen here has the camera looking down from the top of right field so I'm looking down on the Coliseum. I can see batting practice. Cody, I can see you. I can see everybody like I'm there, but it's like I'm sitting uh, at the very end of the bowl, not Mount Davis, but the very end down the right field line. That camera right there, I'm looking at all of you right now. Yeah, I think it's Cody Cody Thomas just stepped out of the out of the box, and now it's uh, – I think Jacob Wilson's in the box right now taking some batting practice. So – we're inching hey, closer. Tristan Costas, have you seen him play, this kid from uh, Boston, the big left-handed hitter? Yeah, I I remember uh, – I won't bring it up. Well, I'm going to bring it up, but I won't bring it up. Uh, the interview that ESPN did with him on Mother's Day, awful. But, uh, yeah, I have been watching him play. He's a good So he's got an extra base hit in four straight games, including a homer in three straight. Now a left-handed hitter, a homer in three straight. He looks to join – I was surprised by this with all the great left-handed hitters that the Boston Red Sox have had. He looks to join Babe Ruth in 1918 and Ted Williams as the only Red Sox hitters aged 23 or younger to homer in four straight. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard of Babe Ruth. I mean, when you're doing your immaculate grit thing. <clears throat> yeah, he, uh, yeah. Guy Babe Ruth, Ted Williams. Yeah, you he, might, you those can't are, those go are chalk answers. For two different... Ted, Ted only played for the Red Sox. Yeah. Speaking of Red Sox legends, uh, a couple of minutes ago, Kevin Euclid was down here as well. Euclid does TV for. Uh, the, Bre- the Brewer? The yeah. Brewer? I remember him as a, uh, I remember him as a great Chicago, uh, Cincinnati Bearcat. No, no, he's a Brewer. Euke? Oh, yeah, 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 Brewer, yeah. Loma. I had Loma this weekend. Yes, he's a bre- as in beer, not yeah. as in Milwaukee. Not, not, not as in Bernie Brewers. the Brewer. Yes, he has his place in Los Gatos. It's a great. It's actually a really good spot in the South Bay. I recommend people checking it out if you're in the South Bay. These I, right now, I was looking at his stats. I, I don't know how you're not. Get, I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't know how you're not super giddy about the start of Zach Gallo. I, I just I look at this and I go, twelve at bats, and I see nothing but production. I see hits. I see runs scored. I see extra base hits. I see stolen bases. He played a quality second base. I just, I mean, this is what we were talking about. Give us something to watch. Give us something to care about. Because, and I love our fan base, and our fan base wants to love the players. I get it. But there's sometimes, like, you're, you're loving something that's not worth loving just because they're wearing your uniform. I just like, you know, this hodgepodge, one-year, 31-year-old. It's just like, I'm done with that. That doesn't work. That's like bad. It's not even duct tape. It's like bad. Is there bad duct tape? Is there like generic bad duct tape that I could reference? I don't know if there was and whatever it is. Whatever bad tape is, because it's not duct tape. It's bad tape. Yeah, I I don't think there is. Uh, I'm not a... uh master in that domain but uh i don't think i've ever heard of bad duct tape i've only ever heard of duct tape and i'm not gonna be upset i'll be on record right now 
I'm not going to be upset anybody getting traded. If I have one person who calls the postgame show, 833-625-2278, someone reaches out on a message board or whatever, it's going to fry me. I don't Trade whoever you can trade. Anybody you can trade. Trade Cody. Trade, trade anybody. Open up slots. That's what I would like to see. I, I No offense to Diaz and Peterson and, and Blackburn. I mean, even if Rooker, you can get something for Rooker, do it. He's, he's been mentioned a lot more lately, I've seen. There's another article yeah, today. Yeah, he started to hit because he, you, you and I, it's like you and I were like the only people covering this thing or like, hey, do you realize in the last 41 games he's hitting 170? Do you realize in the last 20 games he's hitting 130? See, people in baseball know that. People knew this guy's not hitting. This guy, this guy's striking out at a at a colossal rate. Well, he's stopped that. Rooker's hitting 303, three dingers, six RBIs. His his the last eleven games. And you know what? You're not going to get anything great for these guys. I get it. I get it. But right now, you have to start getting ready because, as we mentioned with Feldy, that. There's going to be a blink of the eye in football's here, a blink in the eye in September's here, and here come the call-ups. And, yeah, you're going to see. Lawrence Butler will be here this year. There's, hey, but, no, there's no question about it. By the way, David Forrest uh, coming early as I set it up, so he's here now. David Forrest show. I am nothing going if not early, nothing if not early it, David. Chris. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I, I said it the other day on Friday. I'll say it again. When you called these guys up, it was like Christmas morning. I couldn't wait for the game to start. I haven't been this excited about A's baseball since I think you traded for Marte. I, I, uh, I, I'm jacked. I, what we've seen by Geloff and already Soderstrom doesn't look like he's 21 years old. I don't know how you feel about it. I know I'm excited. Like right now about A's baseball, I'm super excited. It, it, it is exciting, and I, you know, I talked to the writers on Friday, and sort of hesitated to put too much responsibility on these two guys because obviously, you know, we we've got a lot of work to do, and and you know, Cots and his staff are putting in work every day to turn things around. But uh, that said, super exciting to have them here. Fun to watch the way they play the game over the weekend, and um, you know, it's great at this point to think that they'll get two and a half years, two and a half months under their belt this season. And what is it like? for you and your staff it's one thing when you trade for guys and they come over and they're successful but it's different when you draft them you scouted them you draft them you've raised them you've taught them how to play just talk about the difference of your draft picks coming up yeah well it's you know it's fitting to be talking about this today when jacob wilson is here in the ballpark because um, it is and continues to be the, the most fun, the most rewarding part, I think, of all of our jobs is to go out and see a player as an amateur, watch him, evaluate him, put him up on the board, get to call his name, and then see that whole journey from, you know, from the complex in Mesa through all the affiliates and ultimately on this field. That is, that's really, and I, I think everyone in the organization would agree with me, that's the best part of this gig. Did you know he'd be there when you were picking? Jacob? Yeah, we had a, we had a pretty good idea. He would, you know, we spent a lot of time with him. We saw him play a lot. Um, you know, I saw his first game and his last game of the year. We talked to him at the combine. Spent a lot of time with him, and and um, I think we had a pretty good idea he would be there, and that that he was, you know, ultimately going to be the guy. Yeah, that combine is really starting to look like a big hit. I know. 
for MLB Network and getting to see all of it, but the behind-the-scenes stuff, the fact that you get to meet with all these players for a good amount of time, seems like it's real quality time for you guys to figure out the players you really like. For sure. It is it is a great event. MLB's done a great job developing it over the last few years and kind of tweaking it in ways to make it more friendly to both the players and the clubs. But, um, but yeah, like you said, the interviews are huge. I, you know, I just sort of helicoptered in for a day, met with a bunch of players. Our, our guys who were there all week met with close to 40 players. Those conversations are, are invaluable at times to kind of, you know, validate what we think we see about players. When you when you hear them talk about it, when you, you get to spend 30 minutes with Jacob Wilson and ask him about his approach to hitting and, and why it is he makes more contact than any other player in the country, you get to sort of, uh, you know, see what you think and, and hear what the player says. It's been great. When I heard that, five strikeouts oh i was so excited <laughs> contact not not the three true outcomes strikeout walk home run a guy that makes con i mean this is a dream david a guy that he puts the ball in play on a consistent basis and he's done it for years yeah well he's look he's had a pretty good teacher for the last 21 years and who you know his dad was actually his high school coach his dad yeah. was his college coach but to learn from a guy who played the way jack did 12 years in the big leagues you know both sides of the ball you, you can tell jacob knows this game inside and out you know, we talk so much about that, and you're a Warrior fan, about Steph and Clay and their dads and learning about it. Tyler, obviously, his dad uh, was a great player at Fresno State, a first-round pick by the Giants, and then got up to the big club. And, of course, Jack was one of the best shortstops in Pirates history. How much do you look at that, that, that kind of pedigree? Yeah, it's a big part of what we do now. And, and obviously, our you know one of our other early-round picks, Miles Naylor, has that, that pedigree, too, with the two brothers in the big league. So it, it's a big part of our conversation. And you look at the bloodlines, and there's obviously there's a nature and nurture thing going on there. But um, with a guy like Jacob, who's around the game his whole life, who has his dad, like they have a, they have a full-size infield in their backyard in, uh, Southern, <laughs> in Southern California. So there's never a question how much this kid worked and how much he, he learned about the game when he was at home. You're always searching for pitching. How important was it to go out in this draft and get a lot of pitching? Yeah, we, we put a priority on it after the first few picks, obviously. Excited excited to get Jacob and Miles and, and you know, Ryan Lasco, Jonah Cox also up top. But otherwise, pitching was a priority. And the, the two high school kids we drafted, three and four, Echeverria and Cole Miller, I think we're really excited about. A few years ago, we were down in San Jose when the Ports were in town and watched them take on the San Jose Giants, and Zach Geloff was a third baseman. And I went, well, looks the part, big kid, good arm. And then now he's a second baseman. You know, the comp right now is Ian Kinsler for some people, but just watching him, you're talking extra base hits, runs scored, you're seeing IQ, he can steal bases, he plays defense. I mean, he's filling up the stat line. What have you seen so far in Zach Geloff? Well, just in three games, I think the best part is is to see that he hasn't abandoned his right center field approach, and he's hit the ball the other way really consistently. Um, you've seen the speed on display. I mean, we mm. we saw some ground balls hit that, you know, most guys on this team, those are double plays. So it's nice to see him beat out some balls like that and then steal the bases. Um, so it is a complete game. And, you know, the second base thing happened a little bit, you know, when Zach hurt his shoulder – um, but it just it allows his athleticism to play in the middle of the diamond. The, the throwing slot really works for him. And uh, we also we turned some double plays over the weekend. I'm not sure we've always turned this season. So that's been nice. 
And Tyler, we got to see it down in spring training. I was talking about it earlier in the show. When he walked up where we had our little set set up at Ho-Ho Cam right next to the dugout, and he walked up, I'm like, he doesn't look like a high school kid anymore. No, he's really he's a grown man. He's I mean, filled out. Like, in fact, yeah, Jacob's dad, Jack, had Tyler at the Team USA trials when he was 17 years old, and he, he saw him out here behind the cage. He goes, oh, man, they do fill out, huh? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look like a kid anymore he doesn't play like a kid i mean i've mentioned he's kind of like a prodigy because of his dad steve and always playing with with uh, his dad steve's teaching guys and he's always playing and catching and hitting against guys much older but what have you thought about his start so far no i think tyler's gotten off to a nice start i, I keep waiting for somebody to throw him a fastball because they haven't yet in in three games i think he saw two or three fastballs but um but he's been patient he took his walk the first night a couple hits the second night and um and he you know i thought he caught the ball really well on saturday he blocked well he received well so um i uh you know i think he's done a really nice job sort of getting his feet wet here and, and looking for both those guys him and zach just you know continue on how much does that help that you want him in situations catching especially guys he's already caught down at triple a yeah i think that was the decision to catch him game two with with hogan on the mound um and there was also we knew there was a good chance freddie was getting in there and he caught freddie while he was down there on his rehab assignment so it yeah look Cots's job here is about putting guys in a position to succeed and making a guy like tyler feel comfortable early on you dh him the first night so he gets his feet wet you pick a catching assignment for him with guys that he's he's caught before and then third day then you throw him out there at first base where maybe he's had a little bit less time so you know there's a lot of thought that goes into this mark and the staff do a great job talking through these things um, and just you know, just trying to make sure we, we get them settled in. Yeah, you mentioned Freddie Tarnock. I, I got to tell you, very impressed, right? Uh, for, I mean, the first time seeing him in his debut, really just one mistake, but uh, it's just great that he's healthy, and you see, I mean, obviously what you guys saw coming from the Braves, this guy's got some serious talent. Yeah, I thought the fastball played really well the other day. I think, you know, slider, curveball a little bit behind, and, and we did see him throw some change-ups. But when your fastball plays like that, and we saw it up to 97, 98, um, we're going to keep him, I think, in that role that, you know, Ken was doing for a little while, some shorter outings just to get, you know, get him settled. But uh, we still see Freddie as a starter, and, and I think he's heading that way. How tough is it, though, right now where we are, where you still have some veteran guys and now you got the younger guys coming because we can still talk about Jordan Diaz and other players who need to play, but the veteran guys need to play. That's a tough one for Katze. It's also a tough one for you to decide who plays, who doesn't, who gets the at-bat. Yeah, look, I think Mark's done a really good job, and uh, it is a balancing act. He's had really good communication with everybody, young or old, in the clubhouse to make sure they understand you know, when they need to be ready to be in there, you know, under what circumstances they're playing or not. And I mean, look, the bottom line is we're still trying to win. Um, you know, I, I know the record isn't great right now, but um, but winning goes a long way in this clubhouse. And, and particularly when you bring up young players, um, you know, it helps it helps to get some wins under their belt. So uh, it hasn't happened for us in a little bit. Um, you know, I thought we had a chance to win a couple of the games this weekend. That's kind of been the story here. We just don't have the margin for error. But uh, but Kotz is still putting a lineup out there every night that he thinks the matchups work and, and getting the best the best chance to win for this lineup. Lawrence Butler was the star of spring training. Then he goes and plays well at Midland. Now he shows up to Vegas. Boom, he's already going. Just I, I know it's he's going to be here. I know he's going to be here at some point. 
maybe in September. He will be here this year, but just you have to be real excited about the start down with the Aviators. Very excited. I'm not quite as excited that Spraggy moved him up to Vegas two days before I get to go see Midland play, but he and I will <laughs> talk about that. But, um, no, super excited for Lawrence. Had a great first half. Got to show off a little bit in the Futures game. And, um, and yeah, hit the ground running in Vegas. I mean, that's, that's a good park to make your AAA debut, in, and he took full advantage of it. I don't, I don't know exactly what the measurement was on that ball that hit the palm trees in center field, but uh, he didn't miss any of it. Yeah, I've been out to that pool. That's a, that's a pretty deep poke. I was, I was like, wow, that's deep. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to figure out. We've been calling him Hernais. I've been listening to the play-by-play down in Vegas. They're calling him Hernays. Is it Hernays or Hernays? I'm going with Hernays. All right, Hernay. Uh, Bobby Crosby loves him at short and thinks he can be. So, yeah, obviously, in the Cole Irvin deal, for a lot of A's fans that don't know where he come, where he came from, he came over from Baltimore. He's done nothing but hit. How impressed are you with him, especially now in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, similar to the guy we've been talking about today, This Daryl has a knack for the barrel and, and for finding hits, too. I mean, we, we knew he was athletic when he came over. We knew he was a little rot, short, and was going to need some work, but – but we, we felt like the bat was going to carry him and, and, you know, hitting 300 right from the get-go in uh, in double-A and, and got his hits right away in Vegas to get off to a good start. So it's fun to watch. I know he had a grand slam last night, um, but most importantly, he's putting the barrel on the ball, and, and he's done a really nice job all year. Deadline is coming up. It's just different now. There's more playoff spots. I mean, everybody, you know, that we've – over the years we looked at, hey, the Nationals just get in, win the World Series. Philly just got in, got to the World Series. Padres made a little run. How much has the extra postseason, do you think, changed how we look at buyers and sellers? I think it still remains to be seen over the next couple of weeks. This is – it's been a little bit of a weird year where you've got teams like the Padres and Mets who are the big spenders and the teams that often go out there at the deadline sort of waiting to see where they are and I think there are a lot of teams out there in that mode Um, I mean I think if you look at the Yankees and Red Sox often buyers at the deadline uh, both six games over 500 but also battling for last place in the AL East so it's been a little bit of a strange year uh, as far as those conversations go and I think there's still a lot to be decided between now and August first is there ever a time when you're going through this process where you look at your phone and you go oh they're calling do you ever get surprised by maybe a team somebody you know who runs a team that i didn't think they'd be calling yeah absolutely i think you know and that's that's the part we talk about sort of this line between buyers and sellers but but there are plenty of us who try and straddle that line and uh, try and you know make moves with an eye maybe on next year so yeah I think there's there's often times where you get a call from someone that hey maybe wasn't expecting that that call to happen do you think you'll get a lot of calls leading right up to when people maybe didn't get certain deals done then they come back to you I think that's that's possible. Yeah, I just think a lot of this is going to come down to the wire. I, I think there are a lot of guys out there saying, I, I need to see my team play 10 games after the yeah. All-Star break to know exactly where we are. Yeah, you mentioned the Padres. You mentioned, I mean, the Mets. And I think the Red Sox, I think these three games right here, wouldn't you say, are big for the Red Sox deciding, are we in or out? I think every game is for those teams. Again, all, all, all the teams that I've talked to who sort of – say that you know we got to see where we are not sure I think every game whether good or bad every game sort of influences your opinion this time of year and that's not it's not necessarily a great way to evaluate and it's a little bit emotional but it's hard it's hard to avoid that 
Is it really hard in like certain years, certain teams? You've put so much effort in building the team. You've you, you've done so much. Is it is it hard to pivot where you just go, guys? We've done everything we can. We spent a lot of money. We've done this. We've done that. I, is, is that a? I mean, obviously you're not in that situation right now, but you know what that situation's like. Is I it do. really tough to pivot at this time of the year when you've given so much, so much effort and money to try and make it happen? Yeah, it can be a difficult decision. I think you know most of the times where we've been close or looked like potential buyers, we've tried to take that route just because you feel like there has been so much work put in uh, by the players and staff for four or five months at that point, and you know, including spring training, you wanna. You want to sort of give them that push, um, but yeah, we, you do look at it that way a little bit. Like, hey, I, you know, I'd rather not give up some of the work we've done. Let's end on this because I know we're just going to keep seeing young players, and we're all for it. And we absolutely love it, but we always joke: there's got to be an adult in the room. There's got to be somebody <laughs> who's been around. And uh, when you look at like a Seth Brown or somebody, I mean, you don't have to mention a name, but just just how important is it though, as you do get younger? There still has to be a guy or two that helps all the young guys. No doubt. No doubt. There's a ton of value in a lot of these guys being here, helping out, teaching these guys what it means to be a big leaguer. So I, I would never would never discount that. I know Mark leans on these guys a lot in that clubhouse. So uh, there's no doubt there's a ton of value in some of those guys you mentioned. Well, I can tell you, we're all excited. I mean, every single day I'm ready to rock. Let's see the young guys because uh, the future. I mean, think about it. As David Feldman just said, two years ago, the Baltimore Orioles were exactly where the A's are right now. And if they win tonight and the Rays lose, they're tied for first place. Yeah, I like Feldy's spin on that. That's a good one. Great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Be well. All right. See you, Chris. The general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Force, right here on A's cast talking about, well, talking about the future. But the future is now. We're not sitting here talking, selling who's Geloffs, who's Soderstrom. You've now seen them. And the other guys, as he mentioned, Loris Butler, he's here. Well, he's not here. He's in Vegas, but he's getting closer. These guys are getting closer. Uh, I've been checking in on my guy, Henry Bolte. He was the second-round pick out of Palo Alto High School, saying, man, this guy looks like he is something special between him and Denzel Clark. You're talking about all-world athleticism. You're talking about big guys, tremendous power, can run, can throw, can do it all. And they're all of this certain age that is going to be coming. And it's slowly but surely, this is just the start. And I think this carries us throughout the the end of the year. And it takes us into, uh, it takes us through spring, tra- it takes us all the way up through spring training. I think we're going to be getting Jacob Wilson here, the number one pick. Yeah, but as about, I believe that was just Mark Ling's elbow in the yeah, camera right there. And about four to was five. Was I right on that, Mark? That's Mark yes. Ling. Yes, it was Mark Ling. So we should maybe take a break, and then by the time we get back, Jacob Wilson will be here. Okay, the number one pick of your Oakland Athletics next, right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's summertime, and I can guarantee you, you probably need to redo your wardrobe. You, you want to look good, and you want to feel comfortable. This is Chris Townsend, and you got to go check out my friends at Link Soul. They've got all the finest fabrics. You're going to love the shirts, the polos, the shorts, you name it. Redo your look for summertime. Go to LinkSoul.com right now, and you can get an offer for 20% off. Remember, in the big leagues, to play good, you got to look good. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, I know the A's fan base is excited about this, and it's one of my favorite things that I do every single year with the A's. For all these years, I've been affiliated with the ball club is to watch the future and watch it show up, and we get to see it. And he's right there in front of you. Jacob Wilson, the number one pick this year for the Oakland Athletics. First of all, signing the contract today. I know it's something you've dreamt about your entire life. Congratulations. What an honor. Yeah, thank you so much. It was, it was a pretty special day for sure. Like you think about it, right? And you think about, well, it's high school. And, of course, your dad was a big leaguer, so you've been around it. But what was it like when you got that pen out and you're signing your name? And it's like, this is official, official. You're John Hancock is on the paper. Yeah, you know, it was definitely, it was amazing. It was always a dream come true for sure. This is the day I've been dreaming about since high school. So to be able to be here today and get those papers signed was pretty pretty amazing for me. And then you'd get to take batting practice. You're now, you're signed, this is it. You're now a professional baseball player. What was it like? What was the, what was the heart rate like when you got into that cage and you were taking BP? Oh, the heartbeat was crazy. I think that... For stepping in for the first pitch, it was like, all right, this is this is real being out here with all these big leaguers and just all these awesome coaches I got to you know talk to for a little bit. It was definitely a it was a crazy moment for sure. Yeah, usually I'm out there. Unfortunately, I had to be in San Francisco do TV today. So, but how did it go? It was good. It was a good day for sure. It was super fun to be out here and just be able to take BP and ground balls on this field. It was pretty special. You know, you're obviously the influence of your father. We all watched your father play. Uh, he's been your coach for a long, long time. Just talk about for the family what this day's like been, for, what it's been like for them. Yeah, I you know this. Obviously, Dad got to do this for a pretty good amount of time. He came out here for 12 years and played Major League Baseball. So I think it was definitely it was it was definitely cool to be able to flip flop with him. And you know, he was watching me take BP for the first time after I watched him take BP forever. So it was pretty cool for to see them there and have them support me throughout that entire BP session. So how much did you know about the Oakland A's before we drafted you? Yeah, no, I knew a good amount. I was high school teammates with Max Muncy, who got drafted back in 2021. Um, we were both we were, we were the middle infield for our high school, so we, I had a great great talks with him about the organization. He had nothing but good things to say. So it was a pretty pretty fun talk to be able to talk and kind of relate to his situation. Yeah, you know, the one thing that we really understood when we saw your stats is, is we have lived so long now in this three true outcome era of home runs, strikeouts, and walks. And when we saw your strikeout total, it was like a breath of fresh air. So talk about your game to where 
bat to ball skills. You don't strike out. You make a lot of contact. You bit, you hit the ball hard. Because, Jacob, we've been sitting in this world of all-or-nothing home runs. We've been waiting for someone like you. Yeah, for sure. I think that growing up, my dad was always kind of really preaching to me to put the ball in play, work on those hand-eye coordination skills. And uh, you know, going to college, being able to build a plan that worked for me, I felt like when we won the most games, when our team put the ball in play the most. So for me, it was really just choking up with two strikes and be able to put the ball in play, you know, make the defense work or even, you know, find a hole and get a knock just to kind of get a rally started for your team. So for me, it's always been really just kind of fight away, fight off the best pitches that, that the guy has and wait till he makes a mistake so I can, you know, punish it and, uh, you know, help, hopefully start a rally for my team. Yeah, you have to be very proud of what you did in college because going back to when I played college baseball, Grand Canyon was like an independent. They weren't in a league. A lot of people, Grand Canyon, I, I want it's in Phoenix, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, a lot of people really don't know much about Grand Canyon, but all of a sudden you guys have become somewhat of a baseball power and you're part of that generation that changed that for your school. How much does that mean to you? Oh, yeah, it meant, it meant everything to me. We came in with a good, good recruiting class back in – the class are graduating in 2020. We came in. We we wanted to make a change. We wanted to you know be good. And all these guys, they came to work every day. And uh, you know we just kept get, kept getting better as a squad. And then obviously we got to go to two regionals. You know won the WAC all three years. So I think that mm-hmm. that recruiting class really came in and decided that they wanted to make a change. So it was really special to be a part of that group and be able to share the field with those guys. You know when you think about going through the process and your dad's coached you for so many years, high school, college, and everything. How how much will you still rely on him now that you'll get into the pro game? Yeah, I think that going into the program, getting into the program is kind of something for me. I really want to, you know, kind of be able to learn things for myself, being able to see things that you know he sees that I haven't been able to learn yet. I think that for me, I can always go and rely on him if I ever have any questions. But this is something where I'm really focused on, you know, being able to make changes for myself and being able to see things that I can do pretty much trying to be my own player but at the end of the day I do have him there 24-7 I can call him whenever I need him and I know that he'll be there for me yeah you know back in the day you got drafted in June you'd sign and then you'd have a decent amount of games now with the way we have designed it to be a part of the all-star break you don't get as much time of a minor league system so you've now signed what have they told you where are you going to start yeah, I think I'm going to go to Arizona on Wednesday. Kind of have a mini draft workout for all the guys who got drafted, and kind of get into that Arizona league a little bit, the complex league, and get some live at bats. I haven't played a game in too long, just because when we got eliminated, um, haven't had too many opportunities to play a couple of games. So I think we're just going to go there, get some live at bats, and just really get back in the swing of things, and getting back into being in, in game form. So I think once that happens, we'll we'll see where they send me. But I'm definitely looking forward to starting it for sure. And look how easy that is for you. All these other guys, they got to come out of nowhere and they got to go to Arizona. It's hot. You're like, you kidding me? That's old hat for you. That's like your second home. Yeah, yeah. It's right down the road. Uh, we're moving out there now, so it's it's right, right next to where we're from. So it's pretty awesome to you know stay at home for sure. Well, congratulations. We're so happy for you. It, it, it's the day that you know you've dreamt about, and, and I know you're still at a very young age, and not everybody has all their dreams come true, and you got bigger dreams than just getting drafted. Obviously, you want to be here and help the athletics and hopefully win a World Series someday, but a special day to get drafted, where you got drafted, the money that you're getting, life has changed, and, it, and it's great for you. We're so happy for you. You know, We're going to be seeing you at spring training. We're going to be following your every move. We're going to be having you on this show all the time, but it's great to meet you. Congratulations, and enjoy enjoy the day with your family because before you know it, it's time to be a pro, and uh, hopefully we'll get you here soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you.
Take care, Jacob. Thank you. That's your first round pick of your Oakland Athletics, Jacob Wilson, who, you know, that's one thing that we talk about when a guy is a college guy, he hopefully will not be down there long. And just don't listen to me. Ask the skipper, Mark Kotze. You know, Mark Kotze told us, I want to say it was right before the All-Star break when we were talking to him, because obviously the All-Star break was going to be the draft. And we asked Kotze because he was a part of a very special draft. Uh, he told the story about he was with Team USA at the time. And a lot of the guys that were on Team USA were all together. Skip Bertman was their head coach of their uh, Olympic team. And what was that, 1996? I want to say that was in Athens. Correct. He was telling the story again today to Jack Wilson, so I heard it again. Were they in Athens at the time when they were they were drafted? Yeah, because they were in that they were in that barracks, right? Yeah, they were in a barracks, and it. But but the thing was, it's like for Mark Kotze, this wasn't going to be a long time in the minor leagues. I mean, he would get up with the Marlins, the team that would win the World Series in '97. He'd come up and help them play, I can't remember, what 20 games or whatever it was. And then the next year when they dumped everybody, there he was uh, starting in 1998. But, you know, that wasn't long. I mean, he was up really, really fast. And that is the key. And when you draft a shortstop, I always compare this, going back to my NFL days, drafting a shortstop's like drafting a tight end. Bill Parcells loved the Hall of Fame coach, Love drafting tight ends because tight ends are big, versatile athletes. You can do a lot with them. You can bulk them up, make them tackles. You can bulk them up, make them defensive linemen. You can make them wide, big wide receivers. They can stay at tight end. They can be linebackers. There's a lot of, a lot of versatility there, and I think shortstop really is the exact same thing. Guy can move over to third. Guy can move to second. Guy can play center field. You know, you think about Ruiz. Ruiz is a former middle infielder. So we see, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. right now is, I believe, number one. He didn't want to go to outfield. And it was hard to, you know, Bob Melvin, you know, but hey, you stink at short. Yeah, you make some highlight reel plays, but routine plays, you stink. And you get hurt all so the time. They Fernando Tatis Jr. out to right field. Right now he's number one. Throwing the ball 100 miles an hour out there in right field. Once again, stack cast stuff that we can measure. But I want to say he's number one in defensive run save, or at least he's like top five. So you can take shortstops and move them around the diamond because, let's face it, shortstops usually are the best athletes. They're the best athletes since you've been growing up. If you're the best athlete growing up playing baseball, they're going to move you to shortstop. Everybody plays short, right? I'm not saying I was the greatest athlete. I played shortstop. Everybody, you're the best player in your league. You're the best player on your team. You're going to play shortstop. Everybody goes to shortstop. And then as you get older, you start realizing, well, everybody's a good athlete. And then we can move you. But drafting shortstops is smart because it's a very – you're drafting You're drafting a guy that's got a lot of athletic ability. Worst comes to worst, what? You put him in left field if he can hit? Or you turn him into one of the greatest closers of all time. Trevor Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Yeah. Hey, hey former Jake. shortstop at the University of Arizona. Hey, J- uh, Jacob Degrom was a shortstop. I mean, his career has been derailed by injuries, but he's when he was healthy, he was a good starting pitcher. And I want to get that college question in for not Jacob Degrom, Jacob Wilson, our guy, because yeah, Grand Canyon wasn't even D one years ago. Then they were independent. 
if I asked you, do you know where Grand Canyon is? People would be like, well, I know where uh, Grand Canyon, but Grand Canyon University. These kids, his class, his group, put them on the map. Grand Canyon is, you know, everybody's going to talk down there about Arizona State, but Grand Canyon has put some good some good uh, good teams together, and obviously, as he said, going to the regionals the past couple of years. Their basketball programs are very good, too. Uh, they have a legendary Suns player, uh, Dan Marley, before was the coach at uh, Grand Canyon in basketball, and they were Thunder very good. Dan was, really? Yeah. I didn't yeah, know they, that. They were really good. In ba- uh, he put it together a couple of good years at Grand Canyon for college basketball. I think they made a tournament one of the years. I don't think they went on a run, but I'm pretty sure they were in the tournament one year uh, with under Dan Marley. Dig it. Dig it. No, I, I'm excited for him. I mean, it's been a long time since we've picked this high, and we picked a player that is not – a player we normally pick. I like that. We went with a guy that makes a lot of contact. We're, we went with a guy that we're not we're, – I mean, Kyler Murray. You still go back to Kyler Murray, and you're like – you understand he was a great athlete. You looked at his numbers at Oklahoma. They were nothing all that special. It was a pick where you were projecting athleticism and everything. God, I mean, he ends up – you allow him to play quarterback. He continues to play quarterback, wins the Heisman. Next thing you know, he's the first pick in the draft. Um, this is a kid, a lot like Tyler Soderstrom. Is a, yeah, I'm not going to say he's a prodigy like Soderstrom, but I mean, obviously, he is a terrific player and a player that makes contact. Bat to ball skills are there. And that is get more and more is coming back into baseball. You know, just saw Joey Gallo in town. I know you have you have his poster up in your bedroom. Joey Gallo, how much you love him, Mr. Three True Outcome Guy. People are realizing on a day-to-day basis, that doesn't win games. Like at the end of the year, you might go, hey, look at his slug. Look how many home runs he hit. And to be fair, Joey Gallo is a pretty decent outfielder. But a goal glove winner. It just, it just, it just doesn't. On a day to day, when you just strike out, you get four at bats, and you're just striking out, and you're not making a whole lot of contact. Just because you run into one every once in a while, you're not on a day to day basis really helping the team win. You're just not. And he's got a, He's got an opportunity to. I, I don't see as of right now. There's nothing standing. If I'm drafted by the A's, if you could send me down to Arizona and you want me to, this will never happen, but you're going to fly me down to talk to these kids, I would stand up in front of them. I'd say, you guys are the most lucky SOBs on the planet right now. You just got drafted to a team. No one's blocking you. No one's blocking you. You've got the yellow brick road all the way to Oakland. Your dream is is to play in Major League Baseball. Your dream is to be a big leaguer, and this organization allows you the fastest road to the big leagues. No other organization can say that right now. You're a young player, drafted high, not even drafted high, because the great thing about playing with the A's uh, is, is, uh, where is Brownie in the lineup today? Brown's actually hitting ninth, hard to believe. Uh, Seth Brown was what? 19th, 16th, something like that? Yeah, he was a later-round pick, yeah. It was somewhere in the teens. Late teens. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to find because I should know this off the top of my head. I want to say it's either 16th or 19th. 
Uh, Seth Brown was a 19th round draft pick out of Lewis and Clark College. There you go. A's don't care. That's one of the cool things. They don't. This is not like, well, he was the first round pick. Or, uh, really? If that's the case, where's Robert Poisson? Yeah, uh, I was going to say another guy that that was a lower, a very high draft pick. When I mean high, like the lower round draft pick is uh, Jonah Bride, and he debuted quicker than some of the guys he was drafted in the same draft with. Yeah, if you play, as as Deion Sanders used to say on the NFL Network on Sundays after the games, if you ball, you get the call. And I always love that segment. Uh, I mean, guys talking to Deion after a game, it was great in the locker room. But, yeah, that's, that's something that's a reality. You're going to get an opportunity to get to the big leagues. Right now, you go out like you're one of these college pitchers they drafted, and you go out and you start mowing people down, you'll get here fast. They need pitching. The yellow brick road comes right to Oakland. It's all on you. That's why I say to all these kids, this is on you. You wanted to be a pro baseball player. You wanted a shot. Here's your shot. Go get them. Fastest way to the big leagues right now. And I, and I, I don't think anybody in baseball could tell me I'm wrong. Now, I'm sure there's people that would, but I would fight them on it. Like, what, 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 who's blocking you right now? Yeah, there's no – I mean, there's no one really – if you think about the organization right now that's blocking anyone, the only guy that's – I mean, you got two guys in the minors that are doing very well in Butler and Hernays. Minor league guys don't block minor league guys. No one's blocking yeah. you. There's no there's no Cal Ripken Jr. at shortstop, and he's played every day for eight, eight million years, right? Yeah. Like, like Ryan Noda was blocked because they signed Freddie Freeman in Los Angeles. Good little player. You, you want to be a right, you want to be a right fielder and you want to be a right fielder in LA. Good luck. There's a guy named Mookie Betts and he's not going anywhere. And by the way, Mookie's hot again. Um, oh, there's a, you, you want to play center field in Anaheim? Uh, Trout's going to be there. Well, so, well, there's no might, one blocking you. Well, you might get a chance. There's no one blocking you. You might be able to play. Trout's always hurt. So you might be able to play. But there's nobody blocking you. There's no Ozzie Smith at shortstop. There's no Roberto Alomar at second base. Sal Bando's not at third. There, there's, there's, you know, there's no Reggie Jackson. There's no Ricky Henderson. Nobody's blocking you. No one blocking you in the rotation. No one's blocking you in the bullpen. No one's, but no, no one has a guarantee. I mean, if Diaz and Peterson get moved, there's nobody under contract next year, right? Uh no, I'm trying to I'm trying to do that quickly in my head if there's anyone signed no because they're the two guys that had the the bigger deals like Blackburn is in there of arbitration I mean yeah there's no guys that actually have a contract like an actual multi year deal I don't not that I know of. who's blocking you yeah there's nobody plus it's really force nice. their hand always force their hand you go and light it up you'll get here and you're gonna be a part of something because something is happening here you're seeing it. And it's really nice to see, because we've talked about this for so long, it's really nice to see that it's the A's, their own draft picks that are coming up. Not guys from other systems like Mahler and, and Langoliers. It's guys, it's their guys they drafted Ache, and developed. Yeah. Zach Lowe. Now, I mean, now we're seeing been dealing with this for years. Now we're seeing Soderstrom, Geloff, um, Cody Thomas, Hogan Harris, Nick Allen. These are all guys that the organization drafted and developed. And you got a couple guy. You got another guy in the minors, and Lawrence Butler, who will be here eventually, who's doing really well. I know her her uh, Hernays is a, an Orioles guy, but he'll be here eventually who too. Got to send on under her eyes. Uh, that's a great question. 
I think we watched something Dave, once. By the way, David used to call him her nice because that's kind of yeah. where I got it from. Yeah, he, yeah, and then well, all of a sudden, uh, Russ Langer was like, because I heard in Double A her nice, but up here people called him her nice. And then Russ Langer, the voice of the Aviators, said her nice, and I went, you know what? I got to go with Russ. Well, just like people used to call him Tyler Soderstrom, and it's Soderstrom. Yeah. Because then you say his dad used to go by Soderstrom. People used to call him Soderstrom. Yeah, see, in Baseball Reference, on their uh, guide, how do you say his name? It's Soderstrom. So, Soderstrom. Yeah. Soder. Thanks, Sody. Soderstrom. Yeah. So, I'm glad we have the uh, the clear answer now on uh, Hernays for going forward because we will see him in Butler, I think, before the season's over. I'm with you on that. For sure, Butler. All right, some news and notes before we get out of here. Uh, the best player for the Red Sox will not be playing tonight. Rafael Devers has a uh, calf issue. He is out of the lineup. He said, I, I, was, I saw the home run he hit over, over the weekend against the Cubs, and they used it on uh, MLB Network. They said it was out of all, it was only a home run of one ballpark, and it was Wrigley Field. He, like, it barely went over that like outstretched like, net they have in center field above the Ivy, and that was it. And I'm like, but he still has such a nice swing. And he has like 23 home runs that no one's quietly, quietly no one's talking about. He's such a good player for them. Yeah. He's not the guy I would have kept. Oh, you would have kept Bogarts? Oh, I would have kept the guy in right field. Oh, you would have kept Mookie. Huh? You, mean that's, you mean the shortstop for the Dodgers? Or yeah. wherever they have him Second playing? Second baseman? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. plays Mookie everywhere. Mookie would have been the guy. Yeah. You paid a lot of money for Devers. Uh, someday, by the way, Friday, we can get into our Hall of we can We can get... We can geek out on Hall of Fame on Friday. Oh, that's right. Uh, well, everyone. Oh my God, you missed it today. MLB now, swear to God, did a side-by-side comparison between Bonds and Fred McGriff from 1990 to 1997. Because that's 97 is when we think Bonds started yeah. first starts with the juice. It's identical stats. Identical. Super Barry and Super Barry yet. And then you take in that time of their careers up till 97 postseason where Bonds hits 200 and was a dog in the postseason for what, three times for the Pirates? Yeah. I mean, Fred McGriff, if you take non-steroid Barry head-to-head with Fred McGriff, we now have a conversation. We can get into that coming up on Friday. There's a lot of stuff we'll get in the Hall of Fame on Friday. But uh, Mookie Betts, there's a good chance someday I'll be uh, in the in the plaque room and Mookie Betts will have a plaque there. Oh, I don't think Devers will. I think his – I let me look real quick. I think his war is already there, or he's super, super close. Mookie Betts, is there – it, can you be can, can you be inducted into the bowling hall of fame and the baseball hall of fame at the same time? Do you know where the bowling hall of fame is? Um, I sh- I remember seeing this somewhere before, but no. Yes, uh, I don't remember where it is. It, you have seen it before. It's a town you've been before. Uh, bowling hall of fame. Um, Biggest little city in the world. Oh, it's in Reno. It's in Reno, Nevada. Uh, by the way, Mookie's WAR sixty point seven, and he's only. What is Mookie? 32? Mookie, yeah. Mookie is... Mookie's got to oh, be a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry, Mookie's 30. Mookie's 30 yeah, and he has a Hall of Fame war. He's got a war already? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, Mookie Betts is going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Mookie Betts is one of the best all-around players. You watch him. That's one thing everybody said in Boston. And then when you go, go out to L.A., people go, you watch this guy play every day. He's one of the best everyday players. When you watch every day how he affects the entire game, 
Mookie Betts is Mookie Betts is awesome. Yeah, He's going to have a plaque in Cooperstown. Uh, Devers, Devers going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I got to see what. It, let me look at his WAR. That's what we base everything off of now. Uh, Xander. Um, you ask some people if people think Xander Bogarts will be a Hall of Famer. Yes. Uh, right now, yeah, Devers' WAR is only 17, but he's only no, he's 26. Yeah, it's kind of low. Uh, Xander Bogarts, Bogarts is what 29, right? He's Bogarts is 30. He'll be 31 in October. His WAR is 37. Yeah, Mookie's WAR is once uh, again. Mookie Betts will have a plaque in Cooperstown. The guys that they thought that they would continue to build around, and they kept one. They kept Devers. They're paying Devers. How much they paying him? Two hundred something million. Yeah, I can't remember the exact number, but they gave him that extension. Was that? It was this year, after Bogarts up, they gave him that extension. Bogarts, Devers, over Mookie Betts, crazy. And even the guys. Just- Crazy. And even the guys they got back in that deal for Mookie, uh, Jeter Downs, uh, he's not even in the system anymore. And uh, who was the other guy they traded? Uh, Verdugo has been pretty good for them, but he's not Mookie Betts. <laughs> I mean, Verdugo should have been an all-star, but he's not Mookie Betts. And there's probably yeah. someone else in that deal. There might have been a pitcher or someone that I'm forgetting, but those are the two guys I remember. I think Jeter Downs yeah, is not the guys, one, one of the One of the players and – when I read it, I was like, yeah, you know, I would take him in the postseason. The Redbeard, Justin Turner, he's red hot. He's got playoff experience. As long as he doesn't get COVID like 2020 in the World Series. Yeah. Too soon? No, I think that's okay. I mean, I remember that. Now, now that you mentioned I can believe forgot about that until you mentioned it again. Uh, he's been a nice ad. I, I don't know. I saw in the notes that he's a – the trade that he could be a deadline – a guy dealt at the deadline. Because remember, he got hit in the face in spring training. It was awful. Yeah. He's hitting two ninety one, 14 home runs, 96 RBIs. I mean, 56 RBIs. And he didn't start healthy. I'm trying to think. So he's been hot. He's got an OPS of 836. Now, he can't play defense. He can't play in a phone booth. But <laughs> Justin Turner, I mean, if you're Boston, whoa. I mean, this series right here. If you lose three straight or two out of three to the A's, every game kind of like, well, and we know Heim Bloom is no A.J. Preller, right? A.J. Preller is the riverboat gambler to where he's going to go down in flames. There's no way A.J. Preller pulls back in San Diego from all the spending and going for it. He can't. He can't. He loses his job. Heim Bloom, Heim Bloom is raised in the old Rays system. And it's always future, future, future. He's not a riverboat gambler. He's never going to be known as Trader Bloom. <laughs> uh, no. And we talked about it earlier before we talked to Feldy about who's who's going to last longer. Because there's, we've heard about all the power struggle things between him and Alex Cora. I don't know. It's 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 fascinating because like, what happens if he gets run out of Boston? I mean, where does he go? So, so I'll go back oh, to Tampa. he'll get a job. He, might, I mean, I mean, he could go back to Tampa. All these, Ivy, all these Ivy League cronies, he'll get a job. He'll get – somebody will – you know, he'll rehab his image. I don't, well, you know what? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, there's only 30 GM jobs. At some point, there'll be 32. Well, he's – I mean, he'll get a job. He's not going to be looking for a paycheck. Remember, I don't know if the, he's going to be president of baseball operations again because, you know, the the uh, stardom and the bloom is off the rose from what he did in, in Tampa. 
Well, he's a what is he Boston the chief baseball officer is on his title is CBO. Uh, hey, by the way, um, Uncle Steve's still looking for a president. Maybe he goes there. The Mets? Yeah. They haven't replaced Sandy yet. No, not that I know of. Is Sandy still working there? It's Sandy Alderson, by the way, who's who we're talking about. Uh, I don't know. I thought he was done after last year, but I thought that they were. I remember seeing earlier this year he was still looking for a president. All right, I want to make a point. I want to get it on the record. I don't think Shohei Otani is going to get traded. I'm with you, actually, to be honest. I love all the but, conversation about it, but. But isn't he the guy that you'd want to trade for, especially after you. Okay, I'm not trying to be Captain Obvious. Of course you'd want to trade for him. But isn't he the kind of guy who's got the guts and showed in the World Baseball Classic of why he fits so well in playoff baseball? I mean, Shohei Otani is like the super high school kid that, like, he pitches, he's the best pitcher, he's the best hitter. But, you know, when you get into the playoffs, right, you're now in a tournament. So in tournament-style baseball, he could start a game. A couple days later, he could be closing a game. He's hitting bombs. I mean, his year right now, I don't know if you saw it in the baseball notes, uh, but if you look at Aaron Judge's MVP season of last year compared to where Shohei Otani is right now, right? All right? First 94 games, Aaron Judge last year, 34 home runs, Shohei Otani, 34 home runs. RBI, 73-73. Batting average, Aaron Judge was 282. Otani's 301. On base percentage, Judge was 366. Otani, 386. Slugging, 619. For Judge last year at this point, uh, Otani, 665. He's got him beat... Total bases, 213 for Judge last year in 94 games. Shohei Otani, 236. So take the pitching out. Otani is having a better year, hard to believe, through 94 games than what Aaron Judge did last year. But I'm talking about style of play. When you're in these short series where a guy can affect the game in a tournament-style play, the way he can as a hitter, as a starter, and now we know you need him to come out and close the series out and you need outs. Shohei Otani just showed you what he did in the World Baseball Classic. He's got guts. And the other thing is he wants it. Shohei Otani, it's why I love him so much now. Before I was like, I love him now because you know what? He wants it. He wants to be that guy. He wants to be the best. Hey, you want me to come close out and strike my teammate, Mike Trout, out? I'm your Huckleberry. I want that. You know, the same thing with Randy Johnson coming in or Madison Bumgarner coming in. And these guys, like, I want that. I want the limelight. I want the stardom. I want to be the dude. Not everybody has that in them. Not everybody has the killer instinct like Michael Jordan. Not everybody has the killer instinct like Tom Brady. Not everybody has it like Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. Not everybody's built that way. Otani's built that way. So I don't know what you'd be willing to give up for a re- He's a rental. He is a rental. What would he look like for the Rays? I mean, just go down the line of the teams that are in the postseason hunt right now. 
What does he look like for you in tournament play? Look how many good teams last year. Oh, the Braves. Oh, the Dodgers. Look how many teams lost in the first round last year. How much better are you with Shohei Otani in this tournament? I, I th- I'm with you. I don't think he gets traded, but I think he'd be, he would be the greatest trade deadline acquisition I think we've ever seen. And, and you know you're going to give up a lot to get him. You're going to have to give up multiple prospects. And if you're, you know, everyone values their prospects, you're going to give those guys up for essentially three months of him. But is, do you value those three months? If I was a GM, I think I would value those three months if you're trying to win now. If you're not a, a team that's, you know, kind of there, like a Cincinnati, I don't know if you give up your future for him to go for it this year. But a team like Tampa Bay, maybe, yeah. Baltimore. Can you imagine him in Baltimore for three months? The way how, how well they're playing and all the young players they have? He'd be awesome there. But then it comes down to, you know, how much you want to, how much the Orioles want to give up and does Michael Elias want to give up? And remember, last year, they could have been buyers last year and they didn't do it. They were going to spend money this offseason. They didn't do it. I think they make a move. I, I, Otani would be awesome in Baltimore. I'm just going to say I think he'd be great there for the three months. As long as it's not the Yankees <laughs> or Boston. Anywhere else in the AL East, I'm fine with it. You're you're getting two and one. You're getting a position player and a pitcher, but you're getting a pitcher once again. We now know what he can be because of the World Baseball Classic. We now know he can be he can be that guy to come out and get the toughest three outs of the series, and he can start in a series. And of course, he's going to hit fourth for you or third or wherever you're going to put him. Yeah, we you're, can- you're getting a, you're getting. Now, once again, I mean, it takes two to tango. The, Artie Moreno, at the very end, the owner of the Angels, may just go, no. That's what I'm. That's kind of what I'm banking on. I, I just think in the end, the Angels aren't going to do it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think Moreno's going to want to hold on to him. And then, cool, you get that, uh, you get that draft pick, at the, uh, the comp pick, after he leaves in free agency. I mean, that, that's all essentially what it is. You're losing him, and you're going to get a draft pick because he's – most likely not resigning there. And the report came out today from John Heyman that the Dodger, he, they will not trade him to the Dodgers if they did trade him. That's what Heyman said. Holy, oh, God. So it said he'll just sign with the Dodgers. So what, why? You might as well just quit your job. Perry Manassian, who is the GM of the Angels, if you traded him to the <laughs> Dodgers, you might as well just resign and go find another job. Yeah, that, that would be a, be a bad beat in, uh, in, in Orange County. All right, I got to get out of here. Yeah, you got television. What do you got going on? Uh, we're going to play uh, in between here. We'll play the newest Eno Sarah show before Ace Total Access brought to you by Chevron. Oh, nice. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to get Johnny Gomes. Who else are we going to have tomorrow? We're going to have Julian McWilliams from the Boston Globe, our old buddy who's covered the A's. And, Who else? Uh, we're hoping to get either Soder or McGallif. I'm going to try to lock one of them in. Hopefully, we can get one of them today and the other one later this week. I'm down for either or. Oh, well, which one, it doesn't matter who we get as long as we get one of them. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter. Both of them love both of them. They 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 they, they got me fired up. These kids got me fired up, ready to rock. All righty, Eno Saris is going to join us next. Our Major League Baseball columnist from the Athletic, and we'll see everybody tomorrow right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they have an offer where you can get 20% off. Go to LinkSoul.com. Remember in the big leagues, look good. 
play good. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.